Okay. Okay. All righty, party planner. Take it away. So, um, I think the thing that I struggle with is that I am frequently like five minutes late to everything. Mm, hmm. And, um, I feel like it's something that Kelly often says where I'm sort of fighting with reality where I like, no, it probably takes me longer than I think it does. And I'm like, well, it'll be fine. I'll just do like a little bit more. I'll do a little of this or um, spend a little extra time with my kids or something. And I feel like it's creeping a little bit more where I was like cutting it close. And now I'm like officially just late. Um, And I think for a variety of reasons, it's something that I need to improve upon. Do you have a vexing example where you were late recently? Um, so I guess a good example is like, well, Mondays and Fridays. Um, so Mondays I work at a hospital that's actually quite close to my house. And I used to have a 7.30 start and I, I do um, like outpatient procedures And I, after I had, I guess my first kid, um, and realized that one of the the other providers didn't start until eight, I was like, perfect. I'm going to start at eight. Um, it kind of lets me have a little bit of time to talk with our nanny before, you know, after the weekend. Um, and then I'm not sort of rushing around on a Monday morning. And I think recently I've just added some extra activities and that I'm training for a half marathon. And so I'm trying to run. And I find like, if I start my Monday with exercise, then the rest of the week is kind of starting off on a good foot, but it sort of like starts to creep. And as I'm getting closer to the half marathon, I'm running longer, but not necessarily adjusting. And so now I'm show like pulling into the parking lot when I'm supposed to be starting the procedures. And I don't think anyone actually cares. Um, but it's like not a great professionalism thing, I think. Okay. So, um, in this particular example, pulling into the parking lot when the case is supposed to start is because you're training for a half. Um, I mean, it's like, mostly just like cramp and I say cramming, but I have like three hours between when I wake up and when I'm supposed to start the procedure to like get up, have coffee, exercise, read the news, see my kids. And I just don't ever seem to leave the house with enough time to actually get there on time. So this may sound tedious, but can you walk us through like in painful detail what those three hours are like? Um, yeah, so I, my alarm goes off at five. Um, and recently I've actually been awake far before then. Um, <laughs> I pre-make, pre-prepare my coffee the night before. So all I have to do is push the button. And then I'll usually either read email or the news or Facebook or something for in my head about 30 minutes. But I think what probably most of the issue is that my almost four-year-old often gets up between five and six 
and then wants to like sit and sit with me and snuggle and read a book. And because I am a surgeon and don't have a ton ton of time at home, I will often indulge that Mm -hmm. and then eventually start running and I'll run for anywhere between like 30 to 60 minutes and then take a shower. There's not great food options. So then I have to make breakfast and lunch and then I should be leaving just at like you 7.30. For, is the breakfast and lunch for you or for everybody? Just for me. Okay. And then, and it's literally like put leftovers in a container and warm up a pre-made frozen burrito kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then should be leaving the house by like 11.30, but frequently it's like 11.30. Eight or sorry, seven thirty-eight or like now it's like seven forty-five, and then I'm like pulling in as I should be like starting the case, and I like pre-do all my notes, and it's like the same consent over and over, so it's like doesn't take me very long. Okay, so but. is it a problem then? Like it, you said, nobody cares. Um, you care, obviously, you care, but it seems like. Do people at the surgery center care? No one's actually said anything. (laughs) I guess some of it is I have like a resident and it feels a little disrespectful to show up late if other people are supposed to be there on time. Oh. Who's supposed to be there at what time? Um, Well, there's like the nursing staff, the techs, the anesthesia team did you say you do have a resident or you were comparing it to when you were a resident I do have a resident often so if you leave your house at 745 and the case is supposed to start at 8 what time is the case actually starting Often I will be done by like 8.07, 8.10, consenting and signing the notes. Um, but frequently then like it doesn't actually get started until like 8.15. Okay. So what's in the way of you um, getting there at, you know, 7.45? Like what's in the way of you leaving your house by 7.30? We We just heard about details about your morning and what do you think is in the way? I think it probably just takes me longer to get everything ready than I think and if I like actually timed myself I may have a better sense of how long it actually takes. And I think that I have like a little bit of guilt in that I'm not home a ton. And so I spend more time than I realize with my kids. And especially if they're, they're kind of in of ages where they'll, you're like, Oh, I'm going to go and give me a kiss. And then they want to like run away and have you chase them. And I'll like do that instead of actually just being like, you know what? I have to go. I'm leaving. See you later. Yeah, but I mean, there's also the possibility of actually planning time for your kids in the morning, and that's just a part of it. 
it's like, yeah, it's kids. Um, I don't know if this is accurate, so I would have to look it up, but I have heard that 10 minutes of face-to-face time with kids, like when you're really focused and not distracted with other things is like, for them, it's like eons. And I think one of the things we think is that we need to be spending a like a long period of time with our kids, but the reality is, is it's not true. There's a shorter amount of time when you have focus and you're not distracted with your phone or with something else that the kid like is delighted by and the parent is delighted by, because frankly, being with kids for a long period of time is often not very fun. Um, so, I mean, just going to be honest about these things, right? Like, um, so is there a way to restructure your morning so that everybody wins in that you get to spend time with your kids and they get to spend time with you and you leave at 745? Like what's in the way of that happening? Um, I don't know that there's like a, it's probably just the unpredictability where sometimes they're awake at five and sometimes they're awake at you know, by 40. And then it kind of like pushes everything back a little bit. I gotcha. So I wonder if there's a way to switch around. Um, this is just like practical, right? Like to switch around the order of business so that you can get your running done before your kids wake up. And then you can more uh, predictably do your, you know, however much time, like whether it's, you didn't actually say, you just said, four-year-old gets up between five and six and wants to sit and snuggle and read. Um, And then you run for 30 to 60 minutes, but is there a way to flip-flop that so that you can more reliably like make that a part of their morning routine, which would help them. Like they get up at six or five 45 or whatever the time is. And then that's mommy and child time. Yes, I think I would have to like get going faster, which is probably doable. It was doable several years ago. <laughs> what do you mean get going faster? Um, like if I I guess it's like if I was to like get up and start running at five thirty instead of six, um, mm-hmm. and it almost like in some ways would jump start because if um like if my daughter gets up at 5:40 and I haven't started running yet then I spend that time and so then it starts to like creep into later and then I get frustrated if I haven't actually done my running so I'd have to like exercise first yeah um and then the other thing is is that the read email facebook news thing what's that like truthfully look like is that um I'm only speaking from experience because I have a tendency to check Facebook. And then all of a sudden I look up and like literally 25 minutes has just completely evaporated. So, um, it is a weird vortex that you get sucked into. And I'm wondering, is that five minutes? Is that 20 minutes? Is that, what's it really look like for the read email, Facebook news portion? Um, I think it probably extends longer than it needs to. And that perhaps like just setting an alarm or some sort of 
reminder to now's the time to transition would be beneficial. Yeah. Um, so you know yourself the best and you know, when you, you know, your body wants to be doing the running and I totally get that. Like not everybody just wants to run the very second they step out of bed. Although I think anybody can be trained to do anything. Um, it just depends on what you want. And I think that there is a lot of utility in understanding how much time things actually take, which is something you mentioned Kelly talked about. I agree that that's true. I also think there's utility in doing the things you actually want to do and not having any uh, mental or emotional um, like waste of energy thinking you shouldn't be doing those things. Because if you want to, if you want to spend time with your kids in the morning, then do it. Just do it in a way that's conducive to you getting to work on time. And kids, we all know, like do really well with um, routines for the most part. And is there a way to create a routine where it's just built in that you're going to spend time together? Or the other practical flip could be... um if you just want to do your Facebook thing or whatever, just for a very brief period of time, as your brain is starting to wake up and then actually give yourself a reward for the 15 minutes of fuck around time that happens after you sign all your notes and the patient gets into the room. If you have all your notes and stuff signed before eight o'clock and then all the stuff happens to for the patient to get in the room and then that's like your golden time to be doing the Facebook scrolling as a reward. Do you see what I'm saying? Like to reward yourself for um, changing your behavior. Yeah. I think that if I was there on time, the whole thing would start more on time. Yeah. Um, That it's like, if they don't know you're there, it's kind of like the whole expectations thing. So if they don't know you're there, they're off in their office and they're waiting for you and no one knows that you're there. And then like the whole day slides away. Whereas if you're like there right on time, it just starts rolling right on time. I agree. It does. And the team appreciates it. So even if nobody's complaining about it or calling you out, what I've noticed is that even in places that give surgeons a lot of latitude for their schedule, um, the staff really appreciate it when a surgeon's there on time because they want to go like they want to get things going. So even if it's not a huge problem, I suspect that effort that you make will just engender more um, cooperation. It'll probably make your day go even better, just psychologically speaking, because they're just all going to be so happy. Um, Okay, so let's see if we can kind of sum this up. This is kind of like a, I was hoping that your morning was going to sound different, but your morning sounds amazing because you have like all these things set up that are things that are for you. They're not emblematic of the just ubiquitous inequality that most women surgeons are um, experiencing. A lot of mornings 
for women have to do with all this bullshit that they have to do because nobody else is going to do it. And that's a completely different conversation. But yours doesn't sound like that. Yours sounds like you're doing things you really want to do. Is Am I getting it? Yeah. No, I mean, I think I'm very lucky. My husband does a lot. Um, and we have a nanny who gets our kids up, um, our daughters up early. But um, our son usually wakes up when she gets here and she gets their breakfast ready and, like, takes care of their stuff for the day. So yeah, I'm not doing like a ton of extra running around at home. Yeah. So that's awesome because most of the time, the way we solve the late problem is by solving the inequality. So you already solved your inequality. (laughs) You have a husband who helps and you have a nanny. So that's fantastic. And this is why this is like a me problem. (laughs) Well, but here's the thing is like, is it I don't think that it's like a problem necessarily. I just think it maybe there's something about the morning that is happening that is less um, rigid maybe than you would want it to be so that you could get out the door at a particular time. And I don't know that we've identified like how much better it will really be. Like we know how much better it'll be for work, but how much better is it going to be for you if you get out the door at 745? Like what's that? What does that mean? I think it would be less stress. Like I actually feel stressed that I'm late. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like don't want to be late, but I also seem to just want to like squeeze less little things in and probably doing some things like um well I think if I like probably like packaged up my lunch the night before then I wouldn't be dishing something up yeah um like planned things a little more the night before What's like, oh, I need to bring lunch. And then I like running around trying to do that. Okay. Like, I know I need to bring lunch. (laughs) So what's preventing you from doing more the night before? Not a whole lot. (laughs) I'm just like often doing notes and Mm. like other things like don't frequently have time during the week to do that. So some weekends I'll have like, you know, 25 notes left to do that I then end up doing on Sunday night and then aren't necessarily like prepping for the week. Well, okay. And so why not? Now we're like rolling back. This is where the juicy (sighs) parts are because I'm sure people are going to resonate with this. What is, what's causing you to have, um, notes lording over you on the weekends? Um, I think it's a lot the way my clinic is structured and not necessarily like not finishing any notes during the day, like during the clinic. 
And then because my kids go to bed so early, I've been trying basically since they were born leaving much earlier than I used to. So I'm not doing anything in the evenings. And then it'll be like, if I have something else in the evening, then I don't end up doing as much. Okay. So what else would be going on during your clinic day that stops you from getting them done during clinic? Let's talk about that. Um, so we have a PA who we basically like double book our clinics. So mm-hmm. like I will see a follow-up while she starts seeing the new patient. And so I frequently go straight from my room into the other patient's room and then it repeats every hour. Okay. And I is that exactly so, what you do? Or are you making pit stops here and there for other things? Um, I mean, that's mostly what happens, but I think things get really derailed if it's like you're getting called by someone else. If there's like, you know, surprise issues with a patient that aren't really what you're expecting. Um, those are kind of probably the main things. Okay. You know, questions from the nurses that patients are calling in with that they're pulling you aside between patients. Okay. So it sounds like there's like some upstream stuff happening too, that are contributing to the Monday morning, right? Like if, if you're not preparing for Monday on Sunday, because you're doing notes that are left over from the week, which I think many of us can identify with. I mean, like, listen, at any given time when I was in private practice, I had like 50 notes and I just felt like it was in a, like a constant hamster wheel and just finally just had to accept that that was the way it was. And that's not how I operate now. Um, it's a different practice, but now I get, I get my notes done every day and I do not leave until they're done. Um, but that's easy for me to do because I, I work away from home. So I don't have a family at home. Um, like I work out of town. So there may be, um, something to look at if, if, and when you're ready about your clinic days to see, is there a mechanism by which you can get your notes done during clinic? Many people do it. So I am confident that there's something that can be identified or at least gets more of them done during the day. And then if that's not going to happen, then what's stopping you from getting them done daily? Um, or since your morning is like amazing, you have, you, you get up at five o'clock and you have all this time. Is there some period of time to actually do some of your notes in the morning instead of in the evening? Um, and if, since we don't really know your practice, like you're the one who would know what, if any of these things might sound achievable. And the other thing that I've started to do is just depends on your EMR is I pre-populate my notes with as much information as I can, uh, which makes then kind of getting through 
the rest of it way easier. Does any of that sound doable? Yeah, I mean, so today is like the first day where I probably have like two thirds of the notes actually signed and closed already, which is yeah. like an amazing feeling for me. Um, yeah. And I think it was like a lot of follow-ups. They were pretty straightforward. People were happy. Like, you know, there weren't a lot of like difficult conversations today. There also weren't a lot of like new patients being booked. So I think that's part of, it's just kind of how the clinic like who comes in that day kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I did pre-populate a lot of notes and, and some weeks are better than others in terms of that. Um, I mean, there's like a whole, like the clinic thing is, would, is also a whole other thing to work on, um, which there are some other like, pieces to that where like all the new H&Ps aren't necessarily um, like RPA does them and then I co-sign them mm-hmm. and frequently she's not done with the note before the weekends um, which is mm-hmm. a source of frustration for me and I've repeatedly sort of said like hey these need to be done because I don't have any of the like finer details of the the clinical situation like I know the plan but I can't really fill out a full H&P yeah and she recently transitioned from five days to four days and has Fridays off, which is lovely for her. But when she's not there and they're not done, then I'm kind of like have this anxiety of the notes all weekend. Um, okay. So it's interesting how this, like, I don't want to be late on Monday morning has, we've, it we have uncovered what the real problem is. <laughs> Well, and that's like, yes and no. Yes and no. Right. Like it it is its own separate problem too. Yeah. Everything's Um, connected though. For a woman surgeon, all these things feed together. They feed off of each other and it's like dominoes or it's like a, um, a Rube or is it called like a Rube Goldberg where you put the little marble in and it mm -hmm. has to go down the thing and then hits the bucket and then it goes to the next thing. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it needs to be our, um, in fact, one of the things that I've been working on articulating for people is going from your life, literally being like a vortex of chaos to a well-oiled machine. And for the well-oiled machine to be functioning properly, all the different parts have to be functioning properly. One of which is your PA doing her work on time, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so it's definitely worthwhile, uh, as an outcome pursuing, because if this girl's, or I shouldn't say girl, if this PA has her work done on time, that's a load off of you for the weekend. So um, we can see there's an opportunity for engagement with her that may be more successful than what has currently been happening if she's not doing her work. Um, and there was one other thing I was thinking of. Um, Oh, like when nurses come to you, I didn't ask you, are you a solo person or are you with other people? Um, I'm in an academic practice and I have two other partners who do the same specialty. And is it where they're coming to you? Um, 
with these patient calls and concerns more frequently than the other uh, partners? Is there an unequal amount of this extra stuff being foisted on you? Um, I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's important to look at because when we're trying to solve the problems, it's like, well, what is the problem? One of which is inequality, yeah. which I mentioned. And usually women are tasked with the patient. I call it, well, I called myself being like the orthopedic janitor, the one who cleans up the patient messes. Um, and maybe that's not the case in your practice. And then there's your ancillary staff doing their work so that you don't then have to pick up the slack on their work. Um, I suspect that if these things were solved, Monday mornings wouldn't be, they would be different than you're currently experiencing. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think that if I was like not spending, like not starting my work week on Sunday night, basically, Mm -hmm. and had more foresight into, or more time just to like, do some of the additional Monday morning things the night before that Monday mornings wouldn't feel so chaotic. And I could really actually do the things I'm wanting to do, which I am doing, but then also be on time. Yeah. So, and I would love to have all my notes done before the weekend and not have to think about it all weekend and actually have some true downtime. That's right. Because let's be honest, how much, of your attention is on the notes. Like, even if it's not active, there's this little, there's this little buzz in the background when you have something hanging over your head. For example, right now I have a patient call that I've been avoiding and like today would have been so much better had I just freaking done that call. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't want to call these people. (laughs) So I, I, I'm with you 100%. It's like, yeah, if your notes aren't done, there's just a little buzz in the back of your brain through the weekend. That's just draining. It's like a trickle charge on your battery. It's just draining it a little bit. Um, so I don't know that we solved anything, but I think what we did here was like really took a closer look at what the problem actually is. And the problem isn't I don't show up at on time on Monday morning. That is, that's a result of other stuff that's going on. That's how I am looking at it. Yeah. And I think there, this gave me some actionable items to work on. Yeah. Um, And then if you catch yourself saying, should. I think I heard it one time and I don't remember where it was. Oh, I should be leaving by 7.30. Should is a really interesting term, right? We like think about it as if it's this horrible, horrible word, like, like we're beating ourselves up or something. But what the, it often reveals is what you think you're not allowed to want and or have what you're not allowed to want or not allowed to have. So if you're thinking to yourself, I should leave by 7.30, it's almost as if you're saying to yourself, I'm not allowed to want to leave by 7.30. And that's noble. To leave by 7.30 is noble because we discussed 
how much better it will be for everybody if your day gets started on time on Monday. Um, so you're allowed to want to leave on time. And so it's just like a teeny tiny little shift in how we talk to ourselves and then glean information from what we're saying and then what it actually means. So this is good for everybody. So if you notice you're saying I should blah, 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 just think, okay, well, what is it that I think I'm not allowed to want or have? Um, because you are allowed to want that. You're allowed to want to be on time. You're allowed to um, have a pleasant day where everybody's just like jamming because you guys all got started at the appropriate time. And you're also allowed to want to have a PA who does her fucking job. And you're allowed to want to get your notes done in a timely fashion. Like we're allowed to we're allowed to want these things. We're allowed to have these things. And when we're talking about them in terms of shoulds, it's almost as if it's just this enormous responsibility that's just weighing so heavily. So it's just, I want to invite people to think about that a little differently. Okay. Party planner. How can we land the plane? How can we make this feel complete for you? Um, I mean, I think this has given me some good things to implement that are like achievable, doable, and I think will be helpful. I, I think the, the sort of notes thing and the, the PA's notes thing are sort of a different beast that... Um, well, it's a hydra. It's you know, like a head of a yeah. beast. and then so one more thing also for everybody who has children just maybe consider giving yourself a little bit of grace around the time you spend with your kids and cut it down cut it in half but during the time that you're actually with your kids be with them and not have your phone and not have your stuff you didn't say that you do that thing so I'm not trying to accuse you of that party planner but what I'm suggesting is is a lot of times we're with our kids but we're not really with our kids and they do great with high impact, short periods of time. And there is some reference that I can try to dig up and provide to people. But my understanding was is something like just 10 or 20 minutes of focused time where you're not distracted is, is like just gobs and gobs of time in their perception. Whereas if we're with them for an hour or an hour and a half, but we're not really focused on them during that time, it's as if we're not really there. Anyway, I find this very fascinating and exciting news because I can totally tolerate 20 minutes. And I can hardly tolerate more than that at any given period. Oh my God. Yeah. No, I actually think that's something my husband and I can both really take to heart. Yeah. Um, okay, good. Well, thank you so much for giving us this food for thought party planner. Thank will, you. Um, sure. I'll, um, mute you and then see if anybody else <coughs> has anything to say. All right. We have some other folks that joined us. One's called Snotty Nose, which I find very, very good. I hope you don't have COVID. Um, if there's any anything else people want to talk about or want to have a conversation about what we just talked about, because this is a super 
revealing and very um, common experience. Okay, we have somebody who raised her hand, but I'm going to rename you really fast to something like sunset because I'm currently looking at the sunset. Let's see here. Okay. Okay, I renamed you to sunset. Don't be alarmed. I just no, that's cool. Thanks. Yeah, I want your um your identity to be protected. Thanks. Sorry, I changed it before, but sometimes it gets messed up. No worries. Um, it's annoying. I know. Okay, what's happening? Oh my gosh! Wait a second. Are you the neurosurgeon? Can we hear the next installment of the neurosurgeon? Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. So, um, my boss and colleague is going to try to apply to be the director of stroke at our program. Uh, mm-hmm. temporarily to try to block this other group from coming in and making more inroads. Okay. That's a bold and, move. Yeah. I think it's a good move. Our CT surgeon was the one who suggested it and I appreciated it because it kind of, um, give him like the pep and step that he needed to do it. You know, mm-hmm. I think he was frustrated with everything and kind of every, both of us were like spinning our wheels and not making any progress. And I was feeling super frustrated because I had asked him to hire a neurologist for our group about six months ago. And I said, Hey, I really think like, this is the problem. The problem is our competing group has an in because they have a neurologist who's willing to work a lot and goes to administrators and probably promises them like a little more than he can deliver. But he talks to talk and, you know, he's, he's like presents himself well, and he's well-trained and he's business savvy. So I was like, okay, well, you have formidable, formidable competitor here. We need a neurologist. And he kind of poo-pooed it and was like, oh, we don't have money for it. And now finally he's realizing that, hey, we need to hire a neurologist. But wow. in the interim, wow. you know, he's going to go ahead and work on this stroke director thing. And then I'm going to propose um, being the quality director for a neuroscience line. And then I could review um, both neurosurgery and neurology problems that come up. Girl, that is amazing. So we didn't talk about those two possibilities last time. We were talking about alternative marketing and whatnot, but this is like, this is some powerful stuff because you're going right to the source. Yeah, absolutely. Block them. I love that. So um, your, your boss and colleague, what kind of a doctor is he? We're two um, neurosurgeon practice and it's two of us and four um, staff that we have like office manager, scheduler, um, someone who does insurance, office center receptionist. Okay. So he's a neurosurgeon. Yeah. And he's applying for director of stroke and you're going to be the quality director or applying. Well, I'm hoping I'm going to suggest it. I don't know. I think I might, it might not fly, but I'm going to look, if I don't try, then it definitely won't, won't happen. And I'm more concerned that if I don't try that this other group will offer to do it. And even though they're not here very often, they may succeed in that. I really would prefer we have another surgeon that we work with who's uh, usually at the hospital down the road, who's just in solo practice. I would prefer he would do it, but he hasn't shown very much willingness to step up. He's like trying to retire. And, uh, you know, I think if he wanted to, if he had the fight in him, we would have seen it. And so watching his behavior... I don't think he's too interested in fighting. He is really pissed off about everything, but he's also like, I think he just sees his retirement ahead of him. So he's not sure. doing too much. So which I'll, 
Well, I'll try. I don't know. They may like poo poo it, but at least I'll try. Yeah. And see if I can get it. So it um, won't hurt to try, right? And exactly. if you become the quality director of the neuro, you call this neuroscience. Yeah. What exactly would you be doing? Um, I can do chart reviews. Um, if I, w- I probably wouldn't review the stroke stuff as much. That would be our stroke director. Um, but you can review like door to needle time for patients getting TPA and all of the indications um, and outcomes for uh, neurosurgeries at the hospital. So, um, and I could also argue to include, we have um, a couple orthopedic spine surgeons. I could say, hey, you know, I can oversee that as well. And not that we have any problems with it, just to justify the role, you know, say, yeah. hey, I can oversee, is there a common problem? Are you running into infections? Are you running into issues with the ICU? You know, things like that and make sure that everything is um, running smoothly there. I am so impressed. You, this is like a political move and um, this has required you to see a bigger view, right? Like this is a bigger view. I was thinking very small. The last time we talked, I was thinking about, you know, alternative marketing pathways to continue to get your business, which is fine, but it's small. It's, it's, small, um, solo efforts, you guys have done something so great. And I really want to commend you that you kind of pushed it to a new level to kind of expand this influence that you'll have over neurosurgery at the hospital. That's really what it is. It's expanding your influence and whether or not these other people come in will be inconsequential if you hold these positions of influence. Yeah, exactly. Because we can make sure we mitigate it. And I think right now, um, you know, we have no idea. I don't want to badmouth colleagues because I don't know what their outcomes are. All I know mm-hmm. is that we have this, you know, we have this neurologist coming in frequently, giving cases to his partners when he's on call, which well, I trained in New York and in New York, everyone did that. But mm-hmm. it was a wash because if your friend was on call, you got cases. Right, right, Whereas right. Here, like no one does that. You know, everyone goes with like the call schedule. So when one person starts doing that, it actually does have a pretty significant effect on the way cases are assigned and or, you know, where patients end up. Mm-hmm. So it did send like a bad ripple through, you know, our, our like medical staff and stuff. So, um, you know, my goal is really to hold the neurologist at bay. I'm not. I don't really know about these other neurosurgeons because they're usually at the other hospital and every interaction I've had with them, like as a person has been pleasant. I'm actually going to meet with them this Friday because I just kind of want to see what's going on because they're young surgeons too. So I kind of think that we may be caught up in like a conflict that's um, between our institutions and between yeah. the neurologists and my boss and not so much like us. And um I think it's, you know, the more we can try to like, I mean, the more we have to bolster our practice, but the more that we can um, calm the flames, I think the better, because I I don't think that having um, a raging conflict going between our groups is going to help anyone, you know? No, Um, it won't. And there be, you know, having more friends than less, I think is probably better for everybody, right? Right. Exactly. Um, Especially for call, like if you're, if you're swamped on call or, you know, like something comes up and you need someone to take your call, it's way better to have a friend than to have, yeah. have you look on the call schedule, and be like, oh, that jerk's on call. Well, why? Like, there's no reason for that. 
Exactly. So I'm going to try to put out feelers for that. And also I realized like, I think we're losing money too, because um, if cases are coming in in the evening, like, um, you know, I did an emergency laminectomy for a patient with cauda equina syndrome, mm-hmm. you know, these, these cases don't pay a tremendous amount, but if you don't have an assistant, the hospital and the, um, and the groups are missing out on that money. And that's right. going to be like 15 to 20% of the surgical bill, you know? So I'm like, wait a minute, why don't we just help each other? And then we can all make more money. And if we're all making more money, maybe everyone will be like a little happier. So can you please tell us how you got to this? Because this is super strategic thinking and planning that you're, that you're sharing right now. And this is not like before when we were talking, it was more of like, I don't know what to do. Like these people are coming in, they're taking all the business, they're taking all the call, they're choking us out. What shifted for you? Help us understand your, your path from being disempowered in the situation to now being a person who is like taking these very um, smart and calculated moves where mm-hmm. everybody will win. What changed? Well, I think a couple of things. One was, I think my, I didn't come up with the idea for the stroke director. My, um, one of our CT surgeons who, okay. So our CT surgeon, sits on this board. We have a CMO office that is, for some reason, we have three CMOs. <laughs> I don't know why. Okay. But why not? Have... <laughs> right. Because why not? Exactly. So we have three. Um, when we used to have one and one did fine, but now we have three. And so one of the CMOs is the CT surgeon who told my boss to apply for the stroke directorship. And um, I was toying with the idea of presenting the quality role anyway, especially because our biggest concern with this other group coming in was quality issues um all of it's hearsay you know we hear we i saw a patient i did get called about a patient that um unfortunately got covid in a nursing home after um she had surgery with this other group um when my other the semi-retired colleague who's friends with us was originally consulted on the patient the neurologist stole the patient gave it to his partners the, pa- the partners operated on her then she went to a nursing home then she got covid and unfortunately she passed away mm-hmm. but you know, the thing is, like, if I'm not in a quality role, I can't investigate the details of that. And I don't know. I mean, just because my colleague said that he didn't want to do surgery on her doesn't necessarily mean that they did something wrong. So I don't want to run around saying things that are wrong. But right. I think, like, intel and, and the way to get the intel would be one of two things. I tried to get our, our other partner at the other hospital, or not partner, but the, the retired, the retiring surgeon. I was like, hey, why don't you go in the OR and see what's going on? Like, why don't you, like, tell us, how are their cases going? Are things going well? Are they having trouble? Like, give us mm-hmm. some deep. But, like, he won't even do that, okay? So that's why I'm like, okay, this guy's not really in it for the long haul. He doesn't even, I mean, all he has to do, like, his office is across the street. Like, just go put on your scrubs and, like, walk around. Like, when you walk in, is it a bloodbath or does it look okay? Like, this is not rocket science. But, yeah, you know, so... So I'm like, okay, if, if we're not going to be able to get that intel, the only intel we're getting then is from reps. And like the reps are biased. Of course, we're using their stuff. So they want to be like, oh yeah, the surgeon's so bad or whatever. But, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I can't listen to that. It's just hearsay. So I was like, okay, well, we need to, you know, do something else. And my, my boss pointed out that if we do that, you know, there may the hospital may be able to um, pay me a little bit for that. They're going to, you know, if he gets the stroke directorship, he gets paid for that too. Mm-hmm. So that could be helpful. Um, and it'd just be helpful to have that intel. 
and be like, okay, wait a minute. Are these guys doing good surgery, indicated surgery? Are they like good people or are they running around being like shady the way we think they might be? But who knows? I mean, if everything's hearsay and there's a massive bias, you know, I also don't want to get caught in my, in other people's drama. So, yeah, I'm going to try. So, so this is, this is awesome. I'm happy that we have like a little bit of um, like feedback or like the next installment of the story. (laughs) So great because this is how things unfold for everybody. Yeah. Well, I'm just, I'm so glad like the the CT surgeon talked to my boss because I really feel like he was spinning his wheels and then I was getting super frustrated because I'm like, well, you know, you're my boss. Like I realized that, you know, we're partners, but at the same time, like you cut my paycheck and you know, I need you to kind of like step up to the plate. I was getting frustrated because I felt like he wasn't stepping up to the plate. Mm-hmm. And I guess maybe he just needed a little push from someone. And I, I was not the right person for that push. So that was really good. And yeah. then I also like have been talking our um our nurses. And like we have one nurse who's an RNFA for us. And I realized that sometimes communicating with my boss is much more effective if I go through her. <laughs> because yeah. this is so she scrubs with both of us. And so I I operate Monday and Wednesday and he operates Tuesday, Thursday. So if I'm upset on Monday, like I'll just tell her and then she'll tell him on Tuesday. <laughs> so it actually like worked out really well. Yeah. She probably is kind of like more neutral or maybe a little bit more neutral or can kind she, of. Have... Yeah, she's neutral and she wants our group to do well. Yeah. yeah. Like she likes working with both of us and. You know, she wants us there. She doesn't like the other group very much. So, mm-hmm. you know, she's like a, a solid character. Yeah, that's so great. Um, what, uh, there was one point that I wanted to emphasize for everybody. Something that you just said about he when you talked to him, he wasn't ready to take to take action. But then when the CT yeah. surgeon did, like, who knows what really happened? But I suspect you at least laid some kind of a foundation, especially Maybe. if you were saying six months ago, you guys needed to hire a stroke, uh, a neuro, neurologist. Yeah. So sometimes too, like people need to like percolate on things and who knows if it was the CT surgeon or something you said, um, or right. maybe both. And I don't know if it even matters really, as long as, mm-hmm the action that you guys are taking is moving your entire practice in the right direction. And it sounds like, I mean, I think it's so clever to expand your sphere of influence in the hospital. It's such a, just like, it's so slick. I love it. And I wish I had thought of it, but I didn't know that these things existed actually. Um, I I didn't know we had it either because we got rid of our our neurointerpretation interventional program which is like the thrombectomies for stroke mm-hmm. yeah so i didn't even realize we had a stroke program i was like wait a minute like we got rid of the stroke program but i didn't realize i guess we still have like the medical arm of the yeah. stroke program you know like the tpa and everything right right so yeah. that makes more sense and i was thinking too you know um i don't know what my bang for the buck will be for it but i probably there we have like these tuesday lectures and i gave one before um it's not too bad because Tuesday is my clinic day. So I actually can block it off. But, um, you know, if I give those lectures, I actually like get my name in front of, um, 
a lot of the faculty, like the yeah. internal medicine and the family medicine residents and their, their faculty. And then like the, all the semi-retired and family physicians in town. And there's a lot of those. So I might have to do a little PR with them. And, but that's fine because then that counts as CME. So that's yeah. totally cool. Win, win, win. Oh my gosh. Thank you for bringing us this update and let us know how things <laughs> are going because we can yeah. all learn from the moves that you're making. Yeah. Well, the other thing I'm hoping now is like, I got to tell my boss, like, I'm glad that we have some of this subtle because it was um, causing me a lot of distress. And so like our, my colleague before me, I'm like 45 notes behind. There's yeah. 70 things in my inbox right now. Yeah. The three of them have really angry flags on them. So I'm kind of scared <laughs> to open them. <laughs> There's 19 verified patient results. So that's, uh, that's a lot. 41 signed notes. Very good. Um, I'm right there in the trenches with you. I know. Um, you know, and then I'm, I'm talking to him too. I'm trying to get at least a scribe, but I really, I really want to get a nurse practitioner or a PA. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm just going to have to make enough money on my own to pay for them because he really is like not interested in this. And I'm like, okay, well, at least give me the numbers. Let me know how much money I need to make to cover my bills and my salary. So then I have a target for knowing, you know, how much extra money I have so I can potentially hire someone. Cause mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going a little bananas yeah. without help. And if I can help like once or twice a week, I think that when I open my inbox, it'll be like, 25 or 30 instead of 70 and you know like the cortisol rush won't be as bad you're right it won't and so whatever it takes whether it's something you pay for yourself which many people do or it's something the hospital pays but here's a fun thing about what you're doing with building your reputation basically um, mm-hmm. by doing these lectures, by, be- by hopefully becoming the quality director of neuroscience, you're building your reputation and your value within the system. And, mm-hmm. um, good things can happen from that too, as far as advocacy for things you really need, like a scribe or a mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that yeah. working, I think that that action like working for that is going to have these effects that filter out into other aspects of your practice. Oh yeah. That, that's a good point. Yeah. And then I did learn something really good from you guys. I don't know if it was, I think it was in this group where you talked about like curious before furious where like, instead of like losing your mind in rage, you ask people why they did something. Mm-hmm. And we have this kind of sketchy meeting set up. Well, it's, it's, the way that they wrote the email to us was a little, weird they want us to meet with um the shady neurologist and um our administration like the two of the three cmos um one of our pulmonary critical care docs and then me and my boss about our neuroscience line and i'm just looking at it i was going to ask them i was going to say hey out of curiosity how come we're not including our other neurosurgeons um you know the two are taking call here for years and then also the neurosurgeon from down the street, who's our competitor, but at the same time, like, why aren't they on here if we're trying to build the neuroscience line? Shouldn't the folks who are taking call all be on there? And I'll just be like, really like, oh, I'm just curious, you know, can we, you know, include them in on this instead of what I would like to write is what the hell, why didn't we include them? But I don't think that'll yeah. go over. So. Yes. And that's a, ve- that's a, um, 
more magnetic way to engage with them is yeah that way instead of coming across as like a pissed off. Um, right. Yeah. So good job. We'll keep reporting back. We're excited. Thanks. Good job. Please, just drive on the side of the street. Who wants to work here? Please send me their info. I just heard about an AI scribe. I'll see if I can yeah, find it. Yeah, I thought there's two of them that I found. Um, I actually am going to try them out. If one of them is good, I will post either. I'll tell you guys here or post online that it's good. Yeah, that's awesome. Please let us know. Thank you, Sunset. Okay, guys. Awesome. Thank you for coming and we'll see you next time. Have a good night, everybody.